Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. Coming up, we have another episode of Board Gaming with Education, where we talk about ways that you can leverage games for learning. On today's episode, I had the privilege of talking to Roger Moore. He is a veteran teacher and has used games in his classroom for a long time now. Now, before we get to the episode, one thing I want to mention, we are starting a YouTube channel. So if you search for Board Game with Education on YouTube, please find us there, subscribe, come watch one of our first videos. It will be out this week. We will be regularly releasing new videos as well as streaming on a regular schedule. So just like our podcast, we'll be releasing some video content too. So again, go to YouTube, Board Game with Education, check out our YouTube channel. And now let's get to the conversation. Welcome to another interview episode of Board Game with Education. I am super excited to be here with Roger Moore. He's a science teacher and board gamer, and I'm excited because he is a veteran teacher. He's been teaching for about 25 years, so really excited to pick his brain about using games in education and his experience teaching. Roger, before we got on the call, I tried doing some research, and I found your Facebook page, and I couldn't quite find your Twitter. You hooked me up with your Twitter account just now, but I couldn't find an awesome fun fact because it was a little bit difficult. I saw that you host or run a convention. I saw that you have some art on your Facebook page, but you shared with me that you were in a commercial. Uh, yeah, I guess that's one of my only little claims to fame. I was doing, before I got into teaching uh, for five years, I did uh, research at the medical school here that, where I'm from. And we were approached by the American Heart Association because they were giving us grant money. And my boss was like, oh, well, they, they want us to do a commercial. I don't want to do it. So guess what? You're doing it. So I wound up having to do this this golf commercial. And I guess that's my my claim to fame. And then listening to the barrage of phone calls of my you know, family. Like, oh, I saw you on TV. And, yeah, that was great. You know, and whatever. And having to coordinate with that and everything. I don't know. It was kind of fun. You know, got to... Actually, one of the sports uh, guys that was here that actually went on, he went all the way to CNN, I believe, was the guy that that I wound up doing it with. So that was kind of cool. You know, so I'd see him on TV and it was like, not that I really knew anything. Or maybe if I ever saw the guy, you know, at some point, like, yeah, do you remember that commercial we did? So anyway, I guess that's my little quirky claim to fame, I suppose. My little goofy fact. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like when you look back at some old commercials from famous actors that they were first in a commercial. Right. So maybe maybe right. someday you'll be a famous actor. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. At this point, I don't know. I don't know if that's the way I'm going to go. But yeah, you never know the way things turn out. So so you are a science teacher in Reno, Nevada. And mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background with board games and background in teaching as well? Well, like I said, I... The interesting thing, the way I kind of got into it, I think I was always kind of interested in teaching, at least at some point. I mean, I wanted to be an airplane pilot. I wasn't that great. I was all right in math. And then I I wanted to be a doctor. And, you know, of course, you have these changes and a veterinarian and stuff like that. And then when I got this, when I got out of school, uh, I got a degree in cellular and molecular biology, and I wound up landing a 
job uh, working at our medical school. And I was there for for five years, but the last four, uh, the last three or four years had a teacher come in and do an internship in our laboratory uh, for three months, so that he could learn some things to bring back to his classroom about research and science and how it you know works in the real world and those sorts of things. And wound up getting to know him really well. And I think through all those discussions, I just said, you know. I think I'm going to make a change because I was getting a little nervous. I mean, working in, in research can be a little nerve wracking sometimes because I was working with a professor that had just started at our medical school. So there's a lot of ladders that you have to climb in order to, you know, progress and, you know, qualify for grant money and stuff like that. And it made me a little nervous, you know, because we were just like going from grant to grant. And I was like, I don't know if the stability's there. You know, maybe I want to make this shift. And after working with him, I decided to do that. And I went back and I got my teaching uh, credentials. It took me about a year. And then I wound up doing my student teaching or internship with the same guy. And then wound up landing a job at the high school that I've been at the entire time for my career. So um, that's kind of how I got started. In it, very very passionate, but you know, learn some things along the way. I think you kind of go in. I remember my in my intern, the guy that was interning with was. I don't think it's it's sometimes it's cockiness. It's just I'm really passionate about what I was doing, and maybe I was a little too, you know, overzealous or whatever. And but oh yeah, I'm just gonna you know, you know, knock the world off you know with what I'm doing with these kids, and then the reality of student teaching and then getting into my first position your you know my first year teaching that kind of changed my my viewpoint a little bit not not necessarily negatively but maybe brought you down to earth a little bit um and going well this isn't as easy as it looks but i you know i continued to work it i struggled a little bit at the beginning but then i kind of found my way and uh you know i've been doing it all this time so I mean, I'm sure you've learned a lot of lessons along the way since you've been teaching for about 25 years. When did you stumble into the interrelation between games and your teaching? You know, it's kind of funny. I think some of that stuff, I kind of stumbled on it really early on and not really realizing it in my, um, you know, the times I was teaching because I always like games and we we do a lot of review games with kids. I remember we had a one of the teachers we had was very into technology, and that's kind of where I drifted. I was really into it. So if there was some kind of new tech you could use in the classroom, some type of web page, something, you know, whatever it was, I was constantly trying to integrate that in there. And then kind of morph that with some gaming things. He developed a like a PowerPoint template that you could play Jeopardy for students in class. And, of course, I used that. And then started finding some other things. And then we had some, I went to a, I was really involved with the National Science Teachers Association. And they did a couple of conferences in my city because they do quite a few. They do about four of them every year. They do one big major one and three like smaller ones. And they did one and they came in and of course it was just, you know, really interesting to go to these things. But I remember stopping by this booth and it was this software called Quizdom which had all these built-in lessons, but it had tons of games built in there. And I went back, I was super excited about this. It's basically like a remote controller that every student had. And 
I brought it, went back to my school and said, Hey, can I get this? And they let me do it. And I use, I use that a lot. So I think the more I think back, I, I've been using it all along, but maybe not to where I've kind of gotten, I'd say in the last few years where the kind of where I was going with it really, really changed. But I think a lot of this stuff was really digital at this point. I really wasn't using board games, even though I was into it, you know, way before I got into teaching. And I just kind of dropped off of it there for, I don't know, a number of years and wasn't really involved in it at all until about 2012. And I got back into it really, really, you know, hit the ground running. And I'm just, I'm kind of obsessed with it now. <laughs> so I think the, the quizdom is interesting. That mm-hmm. seems to be kind of the birth of the quizzes like Kahoot and right. stuff now. Yeah, maybe? exactly. It, you know, now that they, a lot of that stuff's online, so you really don't need those sorts of things, but I really used it a lot and I made my own things with it. It had a bunch of built-in stuff. And I think what I really liked about it was how you could get kids excited about anything. I mean, even if it was just, okay, we're reviewing for, you know, a quiz or a test or, hey, how well did you understand this concept? How excited they got about it. I I think the thing I learned about it, though, was there was a balance, right, that you could really drive that into the ground, you know, with with students, too. If like if you overuse it, then it kind of loses its luster. So sometimes I would back off a little bit. No, we're not going to do that. Are we going to do that? No. And then. I would let them beg for it, you know, a little bit and then like kind of, you know, reintroduce it and stuff like that. But I, I think that's the one thing I really learned was where I found the balance, like how much do you use it before it starts, you know, losing its, its, its luster and stuff like that. And then we started getting, I got a, we got some laptops that our science department wrote a grant on to get, but they were never using them. So I went to the department chairman and I said, Hey, you're going to use these laptops. And he said, well, no, we're just using them for, you know, certain times of the year, but, you know, you're welcome to use them. And then I kind of took them under my wing. And I remember one of the things I used for a couple of years there, I thought worked really well, was you know, those all the Sim, Sim games. Right, right. Like Sim City, Sim Ant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there was one called Sim Life that was really cool. And I wound up getting a copy of that. And it was really the nice thing about that program was it was real it didn't take you know a real powerful machine to run it but somebody the somebody had made like a lesson book with it um with a whole bunch of things like and then showed you like how to set everything up i mean i had to do some a lot of stuff on the back end you know for kids to do that but i thought that worked really well uh where they're basically like creating plants and animals and throwing them in these you know, fictitious environments that they had had established. And then the kids tracked it and it gave all kinds of interesting data and stuff like that, uh, where they could go in and manipulate a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, it really addressed a lot of different things as I've been teaching biology mostly. So that was super effective, I thought. Uh, and like I said, it's one, that's another one of those things, seeing how, you know, engaged kids are kids that don't, that weren't really into stuff. It wasn't perfect always, but I got a lot more kids, you know, involved in the lesson and engaged, you know, using that sort of thing. But I think I was still using a lot of digital stuff and didn't even think, well, you know, could I use board games and stuff? And then in 2012, when I got back into it, I hadn't really thought about using the classroom much. 
but then after being in it a couple of years, we have the, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the international baccalaureate program. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, a, we're a, one of the schools in my area that, that has the program. Um, in fact, I think there's only a couple in, in the state of Nevada and we're one of the schools that has it. So I wound up having to teach a couple sections uh, of this, of these uh, students and it was for, it was for biology. Well, basically what it is, a lot of that's just, it's a pretty rigorous program. You're really preparing the kids for this IB exam in May. But when you get done in May, you're, you're kind of done. So what was kind of nice about teaching that was like, I could do anything I wanted. So I came up with this idea that, oh, I'm going to bring a bunch of these science board games in, in with these and let these kids play them because I think they'll, they'll like it. So I set it up as a thing where uh, I picked a bunch of different games. I think I picked like I tried to pick things that are quick, though, because that's the, the caveat bringing that stuff in the classroom is you, you're a little limited, right? in your time frame that you got to. So you, you, you do have to have things that you can teach fairly quickly. Now, these kids pick things up pretty quickly, but a lot of them, it, it's the same thing. You've got to kind of be in that mindset if you're going to bring this in there. Is like, what are the kids familiar with playing? Because a lot of kids do play, have played board games, I'm sure. But it's things right. like, Uno, it's like Uno and Monopoly, you know, Clue, Jenga, things like that. So that's what they're familiar with. So now when you're throwing this other stuff at them, you know, they're like, oh, what? But and I tried to like, well, this game's kind of like, you know, a little bit of Uno, you know, or whatever. So I had a couple of card games. One of them was called Virus. I brought in uh, uh, Pandemic the Cure, uh, which was the dice version of that. I brought in a game that I was actually helping play test called Pathogenesis. And I had about seven or eight of them. And I had the students they had to play all of them and then they could go back and keep playing them and i was kind of amazed how well it kind of even worked with those guys i mean not all of them were perfectly engaged all the time and they bought into it but then i kind of these kids were always like looking for extra credit and stuff like that and you didn't really do that a lot in those classes i said well okay here's your chance you play all that stuff then you can challenge me to a game and i said if anybody in your that anybody's playing beats me everybody that played gets extra credit and that seem to you know pull some kids in and stuff like that so that's awesome i i really like the idea of the students versus the teacher i use that or employ that yep. strategy a lot mm -hmm. in my classroom too yep and yeah they'll they'll get into that stuff but i always tell them too i said i'm not going to make it easy on you you know i said i'm gonna i'm gonna play you know really hard but when you're doing that i like to point out to kids way well, you know hey you might want to do that you know you might want to play that card you know, even though, you know, I'm playing against them, you know, I always try to I always try to help them as well, you know, with those sorts of things. But I, I was pretty surprised how well that worked. And then that got me kind of thinking about, oh, how could I really use this now? I mean, it was like, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, OK, I didn't really want to design something else. I go, I'm really passionate about that. Why don't I try this? And so to me, it was a lot of experimentation. You know, I really wasn't too worried about how it worked it was just like i was willing to you know throw it out there see how the kids worked with it and then sat there and mulled over took a lot you know wrote things down how could i use this you know in the future what where could i go with it uh was kind of where, where i went with it and the, the one thing that i saw was 
like I said, it was that engagement. But what I liked was, you know, kids now, they're so uh, digitally, you know, connected constantly on their phones. I mean, it's almost kind of a problem, you know, where I'm at. I mean, trying to get the kids out of them is a fight that I'm like, okay, do I want to get into that? But I just like that they're out of that environment and they're actually not chatting with somebody on a screen, but they're interacting with somebody, you know, directly in front of them, even if that they may not even be getting any of the content out of it. I think the, you know, actual conversation with another human being is a good, good thing. Definitely. I think especially, I mean, you made the point that they're so connected. Those, those moments are becoming more and more rare. I I wouldn't say rare, but yeah. Yeah. It's really, really tough to try to get them out of that stuff. And, you know, so I wind up, you know, I try to let them use the phones for things because then I'm still using some, you know, online gaming to, to try, you know, to try to hook them in, you know, a lot of my review stuff, I try to make it game oriented if I can. I haven't been perfect with it. I I still think it's one of those things where um, maybe you've had some more time, you know, downtime outside of the classroom or something I could develop some more things you know make it work but I'm but I'm I, I think I'm still really even since this was 2016 I'm still in a experimentation mode I'm still you know okay I'm trying this I'm trying this but I'm compiling things you know as as I go uh, as to where I kind of want to go with it right I think to your point where just getting out there and doing it with mm-hmm. um, kids they appreciate that Another podcast I listen to, a friend of mine, Jonathan Cassie, always says to take a swing. And if you miss, that's fine. The kids are going to be happy that you're at least swinging. Exactly. Yeah. You, I think that's the thing. You've got you to gotta be willing to try some stuff. If it doesn't work, oh, well, you learn from it. And you can go, okay, well, maybe that wasn't effective. But you've got to keep in mind, too, that one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, in teaching, you've got to be kind of adaptive where, You'll have years where stuff that you've done or whatever you've developed work really well. Like some gaming works really well with some kids. And then I get a group of kids the next year and it doesn't work very well. And I have to I have to change it a little bit. Or maybe I just kind of table it. Go, you know, this doesn't really work with these guys. And I think that's okay, you know, to do those sorts of things if you have to. So, you know, it's a constantly evolving process. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things where I've, I'm still not in the place that I really want to be with it. I mean, I've got like this, you know, vision or whatever we always do. And I have these really high expectations of stuff, but sometimes you don't get there, but that's okay. You know, it's just this constant, you know, keep trying it or whatever. Maybe one day, you know, I get to that point or something, but then I don't know. (laughs) It's just been one of those things I've always said, yeah, this works really great. And I really liked it. It works so good. And then I, you know, I use it for a couple of years and then I have a couple of years where it doesn't work very well. But then I always try to pull it back if I felt it was effective. But you get better at recognizing, I think, groups of students like, OK, this is going to work really well with these kids. I can tell or this isn't going to work as well. And, you know, you just got to that's just an experience thing, you know, kind of building this big tool bag. You know, of like, OK, well, I'm using digital gaming now I'm going to use some actual board gaming. Or maybe I'm going to mesh the two together, or I might have to get completely rid of it although altogether. It may not work for these kids at all, um, which does happen on on occasion. So, and you've been teaching for about 25 years, and 
what advice would you give to a teacher who's kind of new to teaching and wants to start bringing games in the classroom or has tried to use some games in the classroom and maybe hasn't been as successful as they'd hoped? Do you have any advice you might give them? Well, like I said, I think the the big key is I think you've got to go for simple stuff where it's very easy to teach. I mean, and there's so many options out there. And I know there's a lot of like games that are like educational. And sometimes those there's a few that are all right. But I've always found the mainstream stuff to be much better uh, as far as that goes. I mean, you might want to be talking to people. I mean, if you're into it. Uh, or you're just getting into it. Uh, my suggestion too is try to find some gaming groups in your city. There's so many of them now, just so you get some experience playing some things, and then thinking about, hey, how would this kind of fit, you know, into my classroom? How how would I, how how might I use this? Even though it might be a little bit off topic in some senses, it might work really well. Because I'll, I'll give you an example. I think a ton of games would be great for math. I don't care what it is. A lot of them, even if it has nothing to do with what they're doing, the kids are doing math, you know, calculating their scores and stuff like that. So I've tended to try to, to stick to some so some more simple stuff. Now, now, granted, my experience is a little more, you know, I'm kind of looking for biological science oriented ones because um, that's kind of where, you know, the subject I teach. So I, I focused at that. But I've had some talk to some other teachers. Oh, yeah, you know, you might want to, you know, maybe try this with them. I try to share some of these things that I find, like I'll go to one of my colleagues. And that's another thing, too, is just go try to teach it to them. And I think you really got to be familiar with it, too, um, that you, you've played it many times before you want to maybe introduce it with kids. Um, just so you're really comfortable. So you can ask questions and you maybe can anticipate and the other suggestion I would, too, is some of the games sometimes have maybe the rule set, even though it might be simple. I think it's OK to pull stuff out and simplify it and just scaffold the game like, OK, teach bare minimum. OK, I'm going to pull these two rules out because it doesn't affect the game very much and teach it to them that way. If they're handling it OK, then maybe you want to introduce those or maybe you just go, nope, I don't think that's really necessary. I'll give a, I'll give you an example. Uh, because this is one of them that I'm going to introduce. Um, but one of the companies that I have reached out to, and once again, it's just been a time thing with us, but is Genius Games. John Covey does an awesome job, I think, for the stuff that he designs. And he does all science board games, uh, if people aren't familiar with it. So he started off with a game called Linkage. He's got a new one on Kickstarter called Genotype right now. So he does he does biology and chemistry. He's got a game last year that was really good called Periodic, where they're learning the periodic table, but you're moving around. But the, but it's really cool the way that it works. He's developed a few card games and stuff like that. Uh, but his stuff is really really well done. And what I like what he does is he actually incorporates a pamphlet into the game talking about the real science. Uh, which I think is really cool. But anyway, his actually his first game was called Linkage, which it's a DNA-based uh, game where you're building... The kids are... Well, I use it to help my students understand how the DNA molecule goes together. And he doesn't like the game very much because it was his first attempt, and I understand it. But it's super simple. I can teach it in a couple of minutes. The kids just have a hand of cards. They're just matching cards that are out that they see come out on the table. And so it had on so they're on the turn, they're just playing a card and then they're drawing a card. 
So I, I like it to be simplistic like that. But what I did is it's got some mechanics in it where you can steal cards from other players or you can you can change the cards you played on the table by playing another card. Well, when I'm going to teach it to, I haven't actually gotten to it this year, uh, but it's, you know, a couple of weeks down the road, but I'm taking out those two rules where they can steal cards from other players and they can do the exchanges because I think it mucks it up a little bit too much, but maybe I'll add it in later. So that's something I always do. I, I just try to simplify it a little bit, but I keep trying to bug him going, dude, you got to make this game again. And he, the problem is, is out of print and I want to get, it plays for, it plays for, but some of the games too, even though it says it plays that many, I think it's okay to add a couple more in. I mean, you got to look at how many cards you have and things like that, but I still think you're okay because really, what are you trying to do there? For me, I'm just trying to, I'm just kind of using it to help them understand an abstract concept that they don't understand. It gives them a visual something tactile to look at uh, to try to help them understand it. And then you can turn around and incorporate it in there um, with them. So, I mean, those are the things that's, that's how I, I use, you know, games like that, but I like simple stuff, you know, the quicker ones. I mean, you can play longer ones with kids if you want, but I think what you want to do, it's a scaffolding thing. Like start with some simple ones. If they're handling it, then you can introduce some other ones, you know, and whatever. And, you know, and, the only thing is, I think this is where this really has some potential is, and this is something I want to do, is trying to build like a list someplace of games that would fit. Like these games are good in this subject matter area. And this is kind of where I want to go. And I'm, I'm working on it in the background. I just don't have it all together yet. I'm going to start with science, obviously, first, because that's what I know the best. But then I want to add other subjects, you know, English math and things like that so that's kind of where i want to go with it and those are some very solid points you make as far as bringing games into the classroom playing a lot of different games that's i mean you can't get any better at doing research as a teacher than just playing a bunch of games right exactly so i mean and you you can stick to a couple of them too that work really well i mean i used a couple uh in the in the fall semester i used a game it's called bugs and they're just uh, playing sets of different kinds of insects, but it tells what they are in there. But it's a super easy card game. It's not hard. And they, they really like that. And then the other one I was using was Biome Builder, which was like they were building biomes, and the kids really liked that. But uh, that's what the thing I always thought was like, even the couple that I've introduced, I'm just watching the kids. And they're laughing and kind of, you know, you know, sometimes they get a little rambunctious or whatever. I think that's the other point I got to make, too. If you're going to introduce those in the class, you've got to be kind of cognizant that it may get noisy. They may get excited. But I think you've got to turn that into a positive thing and not, you know, obviously the kid gets too out of control. It would it would totally make sense. But um, that you, you you're going to have to anticipate that there, there's going to be some noise level in there. Uh, when they're doing it. Right. But I think that's that's good noise, you know, and not really, you know, disruptive noise or whatever. Right. And I think to kind of uh, explain a little bit more about that point is one thing we sent out a newsletter in January. And that was one question that I had asked is, how do you uh, OK it with your administration? And one thing that you need to make clear on maybe on your board as a teacher 
is when you're playing a game, you kind of write those noise levels or so if an admin walks in, they know that this mm -hmm. is part of the learning lesson or part of the process. Exactly. And yeah. I, I think you have to have the kids, you've got to hold them accountable a little bit for some things. So some of the things I do with mine is I do some real simple questioning where, you know, they, they have to come back and answer some stuff. And it's usually, I mean, you can make it as complicated or simple or as elaborate. I don't know if you want to do it like as an exit ticket question or you want to do it as something like, okay, well, we, we played this game. You know, I, I asked simple stuff like, okay, what was the object of the game? You know, what were you trying to do? And then have them say, how is this, you know, what is in here that we've been learning about? And have them make the connection, you know, to see where it is. You know, stuff like that, because I think I always I with everyone, every time I use those, I always incorporate, you know, some simple. Th those are the simple lessons. Now, you could obviously do it much more elaborately, which is another thing I've been working on. I've taken several of the genius games. I've written lessons for them. I haven't really fully implemented them in the class, but I've written them out pretty detailed because that's something I really would I would like to do at some point. You know, getting involved in this whole thing and just kind of came up with this idea that maybe I had to start a web page or something. Like I mentioned before, you know, creating a database and maybe lessons that you could use with these games. But I want to make them really detailed so you, the teacher can just take them and follow it. Because I know how we are. You know, when you give like really generalizations like, oh, you could use it, you know, teaching this and teaching that and teaching that. I don't think that helps teachers very much. I think they need to see it. Like a real, you know, depending, you know, a very, you know, methodical, you know, linear set of what you're doing with it so they could use it and incorporate it in their classroom because that, that's what they're going to want to be able to do. And then having some way to actually have access to some of these games, because that's going to be the other thing, too, is I want to try and work with some companies and see if I can. My big goal is develop lessons and then make some connections with some of these companies and then you can you all have access to lessons and then they'll sell you a set of the classroom games or whatever and, and then my goal is not to just maybe do one but to constantly keep updating what i'm doing something kind of in the background i'm working with genius games and it just hasn't totally come into fruition yet but that's what i'm trying to work with with those guys right i think also you make a good point about at least i'm kind of starting to learn there are maybe two different teachers I really like to start from like the bare bones and create and design my lessons where other teachers want to, you know, they want it there for them because they have other things that they want to focus on instead of designing a lesson or thinking about ways to incorporate games. So I think those, those detailed plans are definitely necessary. And it's, it's something that is super valuable online too. You see those websites like teachers pay teachers. Amazon is now creating a, marketplace for teachers as well for digital materials so it's it's definitely a market there's a market for it too yeah and i think that's one of the things too like i've always i used to give a lot of my stuff away free and it's not that you're being greedy but you got to kind of think about i guess that might be other advice to to somebody you know if you develop something really good I, I don't think it's it's too out of the thing to be compensated for a little bit of the time that you put in to do that and uh, i don't really look at it as a greed thing anymore. So that's why even when I went in this thing, I wasn't really going to do it for free. And it wasn't like it was a like, oh, I'm going to get rich off this. 
Um, but a little bit of the time, because you got to think about all the time you invest in doing that, so that sort of thing and putting it together. You know, what it, what is that? I think that's worth a little bit of something to you. Like I said, it's not all about money, but I, I still think you did spend some time, and I think sometimes a little bit of compensation for that at some points is is not really, you know, I don't think that's unreasonable to ask out of anybody. That's why that teachers and uh, teachers pay teachers and stuff like that. Did you mention? I'm right, at the right. point where I sometimes I buy stuff too. I'm like, oh, that's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm more and, willing to you know fork out, and it's never that much, but it helps that person. They probably spent a bunch of time doing that, and I think I totally get it. And I used to be a little adverse to that in the past, but now I'm like, no, I, I can see that. That totally makes sense. No, I, I mean, I totally agree. I think that's, uh, I guess, one of my gripes with <laughs> education is there there should be more resources to where that is not an issue. If a teacher needs to buy a digital material, there should be those financial resources for that teacher to be able to do that. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with it. I mean, it's just, if you want some of that stuff, I think, unfortunately, it's just like anything, you're going to have to, there's got to be some monetary things because people, I mean, we can be passionate about stuff or whatever, but I, I still think even if you're passionate about anything, you're still not going to necessarily do it for free. You know, and like I said, it's not, a, I don't look at it as a greed thing, you know, like you're going to ask absorbent sums of money for, you know, what you do. But uh, I want to go back to what you were talking about with the exit ticket and playing a game, because I think that was a really good point is just asking you, you mentioned two questions. And I think those two questions are kind of, uh, they're large questions that are doing three things. Like if you're asking what was the object of the game, you're checking if students were engaged in the activity as well as a bit of understanding. And then when you ask, well, what are we learning here? What was the objective of our lesson today? And you're asking them for this higher level thinking and to connect the activity to what you're learning in class. I think those are like just those two questions kind of really, really great. Yeah. And I think, I think with that, you, it, it's okay to, to also to help students. Cause I'm going to tell you some, of, I know some of mine will struggle with that stuff. They'll say, well, I don't know. And then I can easily just pull the game back out and, you know, you can go, okay, what do you see there? And I think it's trying to get, what's nice about this is you're trying to get kids out of, I don't know, at least in science. And I, I don't know where this, a lot of my students are getting this, but they're, and it's all, I don't know if it's a societal thing or whatever, but we're obviously obsessed with, it's got to be the correct answer. Well, in maybe in math, there might be a situation like that, but in science and a bunch of other things, there really isn't. I mean, it's kind of the thinking process that I really want to see the kids doing. So they're going, well, I've seen this and this. And I go, well, then put that down. That's okay for, and I go, yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that, that's the whole point. And I mean, that's the thing I try to do too, is when I incorporate, I've incorporated those games and I've always tried to do some build up ahead of time. Now you could, you could start, I mean, these have a potential for a lot of different ways to be used. You could use it to introduce some topic. And I think that could be super effective because then the kids have a grounding. Oh, yeah, remember when you played that game? And then you got that hook. Or you could introduce it in the middle somewhere after you've given them some background material or even stick it at the end. Or matter of fact, do it the whole way through. Okay, you do it, you, know, you start off with it. Maybe you play it, you know, somewhere in the middle of the unit you're going through and then you do it at the end. You know, and, and even turn it into like an assessment thing, 
you know, some kind of, I don't know, summative or formative assessment with the kids. I think that totally works fine. I mean, I just think it's got a lot of adaptability to it. And, and in some ways, I think for teachers, not that we're trying to be lazy, but I think <laughs> you kind of cut your workload down a little bit. Like it's, it's not hard stuff to look at, you know, and you can have discussions with the kids and, you know, students and stuff like that, you know, about, hey, well, what did you learn about that? You know, either why ever you want to do it as a whole class or in small groups or individually or, you know, whatever. But I, I think it makes things a little easier <laughs> where you're not, you know, coming up with this huge elaborate stuff. And I think the kids get a lot out of something simple as playing a game, you know, and then that interaction with each other and stuff like that and seeing them laughing and, and whatever. I mean, that's kind of fun to watch. You know, you teach it to them and, then you know, I'll walk around and go, hey, what do you think? Oh, this is super fun. OK, good. I got those kids are in. I got them, you know, uh, the, all right. The hooks in the mouth, you know, I don't have to worry about them or I'll move on to the next group. Right. And like I said, you're not going to get every kid that's going to, you know, I think that's something you got to keep in mind too, is teaching. You're not going to have a hundred percent compliance of all these kids. It's just not realistic. And it's not, you don't try to do anything, but sometimes you got to, I say you got to kind of pick your battles too, because I always, my, a lot of my stuff is like, okay, you know, I'm here to help you, but you have got to step up and, you know, be a little bit assertive at some points because, you know, you're the one ultimately at the end of the day has to, you know, whatever. And I mean, obviously with younger kids, you're, you're probably not going to do that approach. But I, with high school kids, I put a little more pressure on my kids because I, I feel like, you know, they're, they're young adults. They need to start learning some of these things you know, taking some responsibility and stuff like that, that we're not going to spoon feed you all the way through. It, it's not really realistic. Taking initiative is starting to become a more important thing at that age. Exactly. So you mentioned you wrote an article for learning education and games, 100 games to use in the classroom and beyond. And should be able to find that online if you search that. It looks like it's on Amazon as well as digital. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the books, it's it's actually out in print, too. Yeah, it's digital. I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, it's learning and education and games, 100 games to use in the classroom and beyond. Yeah, it's there's there's a hard copies of it. And there's it's definitely available digitally as well. So I when I first started, I came up with this idea where, oh, I want to start writing these lessons. I basically what I did, I took some of the games that I knew I was going to use and I kind of created a framework like here's the object, here's the vocabulary that's being used. And then I also put in what I felt were all like the science standards that it was addressing and so on. And I created about 15 or 20 of these pages. I haven't really pushed them out to anybody at this point. And I, then I completely, from that, I compiled this list. I sent it to the designer of Pathogenesis, um, Jamie Cunningham, and I've kind of worked with her and her husband. They have a company called Wouldn't It Be Awesome Games, and they've, they've done two Kickstarter games. And this was one of hers. She's a microbiology professor. So she wanted to have something to help her students understand the immune system. So she designed this um, deck builder with an AI where you're playing as a bacteria attacking a body and it's super technical. I mean, she introduced a ton of vocabulary. It's a really fun game. Anyway, I sent this list to her and she sent back some feedback and she mentioned some, some people I might want to get, a, get a hold of. And she mentioned this game killer snails. So I reached out to them and I got a hold of this lady who I um, co-authored the um, 
article with. She did a lot of the work, but I, I basically provided a, b- a bunch of the teaching um, elements, like how would you use it in the classroom? How was this, how was this working? And that kind of thing was what I provided. I reached out to this Lindsay Portnoy and we started this collaboration for over a year. And I was doing some, I was play testing killer snails for, they had a uh, digital app of it. I was playing it with my kids and she developed some stuff and kept pushing out this stuff. And we were kind of going back and forth there. And then she had another, they have another game called biome builder um, that I've used actually way more than I have killer snails at this point. And I remember she says, well, you need to call me. And I remember getting on the phone with her and we had this like 30 minute phone conversation and kind of towards the end of it, she says, well, you know, I don't have a job for you. And I go, I wasn't calling you for a job. And so she's kind of put, was pushing me a little bit. We haven't collaborated as much as of late, but she goes, you know, I'm going to write this article, you know, do you want to get involved? And I said, yeah. And she was more about trying to give me some exposure because some of these ideas that I've kind of talked about and I started telling her about, she goes, you got to get this out there. You need to start a YouTube channel. You got to get a web page going. And these are things I want to do. It's just very hard to do, I think, when you're when you're sitting in the classroom. Um, but that's going to change here for me in a few months, where I can start, you know, pushing this. But we were both in the the mindset that this has tremendous potential. I think, as it, is it not to replace everything you do in the classroom, but is just as another tool, you know, to engage kids and um, make them think you know, work together or whatever, uh, interact with one another, teaching them like in science, like I said, teaching sometimes these abstract concepts, kids don't get it unless they see it. Now, granted, some of the stuff, it's not perfectly explaining the concept fully, but at least it gives them something to hook onto, right? So that they kind of understand what they're doing. So that's kind of, kind of where that, where that, that came out. And that came out, I don't know, about a month ago, they finally they finally published it, but there's a bunch of stuff in there. I mean, there's different kinds of board games, there's video games. And I think this is an area that's got some really good potential. And I kind of want to get on the ground floor with it, I guess is kind of where I'm going with it. Right. So. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at the, the summary and it says it includes games like Fortnite, which every, mm-hmm. every kid is obsessed with right now. Yeah, exactly. You probably wouldn't have too much problem getting kids involved with that one. Yeah. Right. All right, Roger. So before we move into the final segment, do you have like a last word of advice if you could give one tip to anyone that's looking to bring games into their classroom? I think it's just a lot of the stuff I I mentioned before, you know, kind of do your homework on it. I would be a little bit prepared. I would know what it is. I would try to start with something simple. There's a ton of choices out there. I think the, the thing is, I mean, if people wanted to reach out to me, I mean, I've something I want to kind of do anyways, maybe working with people and giving them suggestions like, well, what do you teach? You know, because I play a lot. Um, it's something I really enjoy doing. Get some ideas because I'm always thinking about, okay, maybe how, how could I maybe use this in the classroom? But even with that, I think even experimenting, it's fine, you know, and it's okay. And just, just be prepared that, you know, it's going to get noisy in there and the kids, but they're excited and they're having fun. I always felt that if the kids are having fun, that's the biggest thing. Keep that in mind. If you can establish some stuff in your classroom where your kids are having a good time, they're going to learn. I, I just have always felt that that was, was always been something. And it, to me, it's something I've seen you know, in the 25 years I've been doing it. The, the kids that were having a blast, 
I know they were learning things. And you wouldn't even have to go. You could just go up and, you know, casually ask kids, hey, would you learn? And they could tell you a bunch of stuff. And okay, good. I don't even have to give you an actual written test. I, I feel like you actually understand what's going on. So Awesome. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I kind of, earlier when you are talking, I wrote down a couple notes and almost like a three-step process, I think you're mentioning, where just play a lot of different games. Play play one that you think might work a couple times and then simplify it and extract maybe a mechanic from the game. Yeah, and just you could you could introduce it slowly. I I mean, I think it's like anything you don't want to go crazy. You know, cuz it you know, be willing to to experiment with it, but I think you'd be surprised. And it, it does me sometimes when I'm like, "Uh, oh, do I?" But then I put it in there and I play it with kids and I'd say I mean, I don't have any like perfect statistics I'm really reaching here, but I'd say 90 something percent of the kids Nine out of ten of them love it. You know, you know, they really enjoy it. I mean, it's just different. And then right. like I said, you gotta you it's that thing too. I I try to push where I have a bunch in there and my, my goal is okay, I want to teach them a bunch. And instead of them, if they get done with stuff in class, I I'm trying to push some kids, hey, if you get done, go play games. Because I don't mind if you do that. Because I always follow up an administrator or something came in my room. That's why I have all this stuff written up for those games where like, here's the vocabulary and I have that stuff. I could just show them, look, let's see, this is the stuff that they're addressing. I go, if you don't believe me, go talk to my kids, ask them about this stuff. And I'm telling you, they can, they can tell them, you know, maybe not perfectly, <laughs> but you can see like, they go, Oh, right. I learned about that. Da, 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 da. See, boom, you got it. And they don't even realize it, you know, which is even better. Yeah. I would say it's, it's definitely a high number. I I did a little bit of research in, English language education in Taiwan about engagement with games and my survey I surveyed 77 students and 76 of them said that they are more likely to want to learn English if they're playing a game yeah that's pretty that's like 90 that's high 90 percent there yeah (laughs) and even that one I could have there could be absolutely nothing I could do and they just hate English there's no way I could motivate them to learn or to want to learn so I mean yeah it could It'd be a hundred percent for anyone that wants to learn. It helps or it engages them more. All right, so we're gonna move into the thumbs up, thumbs down, rapid fire round. So I'm gonna give you some statements and then you're gonna say thumbs up or thumbs down. Thumbs up being you like it and thumbs down maybe you don't like it or you don't prefer it. And then a brief reason why okay the first one is zombie themed games thumbs up or thumbs down i'm kind of thumbs down on those i think i think it's fine people have it. i just maybe for me it's uh i just think they're overdone a little bit it's just a personal preference there's very few of those that you know that i'm a big fan of and i know a lot of people like them so i'm not here to tell them but i just i don't know just i think for more for me it's just the theme is just not that interesting to me. But it's whatever you'll have fun playing. I mean, I know a lot of people like it, so. The next one, uh, crosstalk during uh, gaming. Okay, crosstalk. You mean like talking across the table about something else? Right. Um. Oh, a thumbs up, I'm fine with that. As long as it's not interfering with somebody's, the, the play of the game, I mean, if that's just part of the conversation, because sometimes that's what's fun with gaming, right? Right, right. It's yeah. just interaction, so yeah, I'm thumbs up on that one. And 
we didn't really talk about this much, but you did a podcast, I believe it's called Board Games and Beer. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Correct. So how about pub quizzes? Pub quizzes. Oh, I'm thumbs up on that. It's totally fine. I like trivia stuff's fine. That's a good way to people still like those kinds of things. We I don't play a lot of those kind of games, but I like them every once in a while. And they've grown in popularity mm-hmm. over the yep. past. Yep. Yeah, we, we used to go and there was one place we used to go and do that a little bit, and I just thought it was kind of fun. So, and then the last one, criticism of reviewers on board games. So board game, board game reviewer criticisms. I think I could go thumbs up on that. I mean, you got to You got to get opinions from people, right? So, I mean, even it's, if it's negative, I think that's fine. I mean, you got you got to have a framework to work from. I mean, because right. basically a lot of this stuff is what do you like and what do you don't like, you know? Right. And I think that particularly the board gaming world, the way it is now, there is so many choices of stuff. It's just mind boggling that I think there's stuff out there to like for anybody. And if you don't like it, I think you got to be careful that you're not doing it in a way where you're maybe being condescending. So maybe I could say a caveat with that. I like it. Thumbs up. If it's a really legitimate, thoughtful criticism of it, but if it's if it's condescending, I would go th- thumbs down on it. Does that make sense? Those ones I don't. Those ones I don't care for because I'm like, okay, you know, why are you being condescending to that person? They don't like it, or you know, whatever. I have stuff I don't, you know, care for, and I I try to be careful not to do that. I think sometimes we do, but I, I try to avoid that if I can, because the whole point is, why would you wreck somebody's fun? You know, if they enjoy it, then good good for them. You know? So totally. All right, Roger, thank you again for your time. I know I learned a bunch from from our conversation, and I'm sure our listeners did too. If someone wanted to maybe follow up with you or keep in touch, where might they find you? And then also are you working on anything new that's coming up? Um, well, like I said in before the things I'm kind of working in the background, and I know we kind of talked, you know, before, uh, you know, the, sh- the show started. I'm in the background working on some stuff I just mentioned as I was talking to you about trying to develop a website, maybe some YouTube content about using games in the classroom and developing lessons and then working with some of these companies so that we can get the stuff to to people. So. I mean, it's kind of in the background. I've got some stuff together, but I just haven't, you know, totally, you know, put it to fruition, you know, at least at this point. So, I mean, that's one of the things that that I'm working on that I want to do. And and we mentioned at the beginning just because of some things that have happened. And, and I just think it's the, the time's right that I'm going to be retiring in July um, from teaching so that I can kind of focus some of this stuff uh, doing this. Plus, I want to kind of change gears a little bit. Teaching is really tiring. It's a really tiring <laughs> job. I mean, as rewarding as it's been, you know, it's it's also got some things where it's just, you know, you, I just think my stamina is kind of kind of uh, run out a little bit. I'm just out of gas, and, and I've got to I've got to change. And just things have worked out where I've I've put enough time, and maybe I can do that. And, and I have a friend of mine that's opening a board game store, so I'm going to go try to work for him, and then work on work on this this board gaming in the classroom stuff you know continuing some of the stuff that i'm trying to collaborate with some people and i'm still reaching out and 
like I said, I've, I've got it stewing in a pot, but I haven't, you know, made it quite yet. But uh, that's my plan. Well, congratulations again on the retirement. Yeah. And where might someone find you? Like if you are, if they're interested in following up with this project that you're stewing on. Well, I'm going to give some places to get a hold of me because I haven't, obviously I'm probably going to start some other websites and maybe Twitter accounts and stuff once I get this thing into, into, but a couple of places where I'm pretty active is, um, it's a, it's an older Twitter account. I, like I said, it's my podcast one, but I still use it. It's one of the most active on. There's two of them. I really look at it's BGB podcast underscore game. And then the other Twitter account, which I need to get back onto is R more at evolving more. Um, email wise board games and beer podcast at uh, gmail.com is a uh, one way to get a hold of me. And then something else I didn't mention that I kind of do on the side too is I've been really involved with the everything board games webpage. Uh, they have a webpage and they're also on uh, Facebook. And so I do the Kickstarter stuff for them and I have an email with them. So it's Roger M at everything so those are some places to get a hold of me. And then as I move forward with this stuff and I start getting some stuff and I'll start, you know, disseminating that stuff out to people, you know, where you can get a hold of me and, and follow up and stuff like that. So, you know, if anybody has any questions or whatever wants to talk about that stuff, I mean, I'm more than happy to do it. I mean, because that just gives me more ideas sometimes when I'm talking to other people, uh, you know, right. as I move forward and I'm open to advice like, you know, hey, you might want to try this. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and I'm I'm really it's something I I talk about a lot of this stuff some but this is something I'm definitely going to do. But like I said it's it's just been difficult to do while I'm teaching. And I'm just going to relay this really quickly. Um right before when we were talking before we went on the show, um I was talking to a, a guy that I play with and he actually teaches out in a rural area here that and he uses games in his classroom. So we bounce stuff off each other all the time. And so I was, you know, mentioning, him, you know, he knows I'm retiring and he, and they said, you know, I really want to get this board game in the classroom idea moving. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you really can't do it while you're teaching. He says, you need to be away from everything so that you can have creative time. And I think he, that was absolutely a perfect, you know, statement as far as that goes, that it's just kind of hard to do because I can't get in creative mode when I've got a bunch of other things in my head, you know, trying to plan and, you know, use it what I'm what I'm doing with my kids right now but then you know I just need to be completely free of it you know so that I can do it right I I definitely I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that as teachers right yeah too many pokers in the fire and I got to get a few of them out before I can focus all right Roger thank you again for your time absolutely uh, it was a pleasure to be on your show so I'm just hoping it's, this is great because this is what I want to do I want to get kind of what I want to do out there a little bit you know, to, to people and let them know that there's, I think there's a potential here, um, you know, for this kind of thing. I could mention somebody else too. And I, somebody else I got to reach out to. I don't know if you've ever had her, but Kathleen Mercury. Uh, oh yeah. Another, yeah. Yeah. We she did, uh, does cross cast together. Yeah. She, she's really, and I've reached out to her a couple of times. I just haven't totally followed up talking to her, but she does a bunch of awesome stuff with her kids and has a bunch of resources and stuff. But she does a lot of designing stuff with her kids where they design games and stuff like that. But she, I think she's really kind of uh, somebody that's at the forefront of this stuff too. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Roger. Yep. It's a, it was a pleasure. 
as always, thank you for listening. I hope you learned a bit listening to the conversation between Roger and myself. Again, check out our YouTube channel before you go, Board Game with Education. And if you can spare a minute or two to leave a review, that would be awesome. It really helps others find our show. So as always, teach better, learn more, and most, most importantly, play some more games. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.